Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. This was supposed to be my last message on fear, but, <laughs> but it's not. I would tell you uh, that we were going to finish with one more message, but I'm not going to make that mistake again. I'm going to just say we are on the message, the series on fear. And it's very, very important. Let's just recap just a little bit what we're talking about on fear. Fear affects most people because the enemy is going to do that. The first message we did, we talked about what kind of fear we're talking about, which is not the reverence of God fear, but it's the fear that really is terror, dread. It's that type of fear. We also told you that Fear is one of those things that the enemy is going to shoot an arrow at you anyway, but God expects us to overcome. The second message we gave was we unpacked Isaiah 41.10, which told us that uh, even though Israel, Israel was in captivity, what happened was that he told them to fear not, be not dismayed. He gave them two commands. Then he gave them five basic, uh, what we call pillars, but Actually, there are reasons why we should not fear. And he said that, I don't want you to fear because I'm with you. Then he says, fear not because I am your God. And he said, fear not because I will strengthen you. Fear not because surely I will help you. And last he said, fear not because surely I will uphold you. My, with my righteous right hand. Those were the five reasons why we shouldn't fear. And that's awesome because that was God speaking. So we did that. Then last week we gave you three reasons why fear sabotages our faith. All three of them was based on God wanted to get us to trust him. And one of those reasons we said that fear sabotages our faith is that God wants to be our all, totally, all in all. And what happens is that when we look to someone else, we look to jobs, we look to men, we look to whatever situation it is for our provision, for our comfort, our whatever it is, rather than him, he's not pleased with it. So what he does is just withholds that success which we're supposed to have, which he has for us. And we defined success last week not as achieving your end result, of that which you purpose to do, because the world does that very successfully. But we're talking about success being biblically, that whatever God tells us to do, when he tells us to do it, how he tells us to do it, then we do it, that's success, whether the world thinks it's success or not. Because when we thought, uh, thought of somebody like Stephen, Stephen, we said, well, he didn't have success because he was stoned because he opened his mouth when he should have not opened his mouth. He knew they were going to be against him, and he had the audacity to say, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And, oh, they just uh, went wild, and they stoned him to death. Well, he was successful because God inspired him to do that. So just because it doesn't turn out the way you think it should turn out, then that doesn't mean you have success. We know that Jesus has success, don't we? But now... He died at 33, 
but he succeeded in achieving the purpose for which he was sent. That's what we're interested in, doing what God has called us to do. Fulfill our purpose for which God has us to do. So that's success. We went over that last week. We said that uh, also that God wants to be honored because he wants us to really trust him and his word. His word is true. He's not a liar. So therefore, he cannot lie. So we, we went over that, and when we, don't, we really don't believe his word, of course, what it does is they say, oh, my goodness gracious, they don't trust me. So therefore, that fear, because we can't wait upon God, we can't, we can't really um, uh, wait on God's timing for things. We, we want to do our own thing in our own timing because he's not uh, uh, quick enough or uh, uh, swift enough. Therefore, we don't have success. And we said that, God wants to be pleased. And without faith, you can't please him. That's what we said. And we know that that's true. So we went over those three things last week. This week, I was planning on ending with how do you succeed then? How do you overcome fear? It's one thing to say fear is coming. It's one thing to say um, these are are ways that fear sabotages our success, but you're not telling us how to overcome fear. How do you overcome it? So that's what the message is about today. And we had at least 10 things that I was going to give you today. And I said, well, I, I got these 10 things. We could, we could go through them, and that's it. But do you know that even though I will give you those 10 things, and you don't know how to do those 10 things, it doesn't accomplish anything, does it? If, if you told me, well, I want you to change the oil in your, in, your, in your car, you need to do that all the time. Change your oil. You need to make sure you change the oil filter. You need to make sure you do this, that, that. Then that, that's fine. I know what I should do, but I don't know how to do it. So I have to get somebody to do it for me. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. And we hope to get through nine of those ten, and we'll see whether we do or not. Now, let's turn to, we're going to be in, Three sets of scriptures, maybe four. Let's turn to uh, Romans. Let's start in Romans. Chapter 11, verse 33. Let's start there with the first thing. How do you overcome fear? And you say, well, I don't have any fear. I'm not afraid of anything. And even though I might be afraid of snakes, that's wisdom. Somebody, you need to be afraid of touching fire or touching a stove, hot stove. You need to be afraid of some of those things because it could damage you. So I don't see it in, in a point. I don't have fear. But see, a lot of times we do have fear and we don't know it. I know that so many parents, they are worrying so much about their children. I wonder, is this going to happen? And they're worried about it. They're worried about it all the time. Well, should we be? That word, yes, you should be responsible. We, we're not saying you shouldn't be responsible, but should you worry about that thing? And many times, we do worry. Like my daughter, one of my daughters, they, she's out of town today, and all we tell her is, hey, I'll text me when you get there. I'll text me when you're going to leave. We'll, we'll start praying and whatnot. But other than that, we're going to trust God. Well, it was raining on the way when she was going to South Carolina, but oh, so what? It's raining. I can't protect her. I can say, uh, make sure you drive a little slower than the speed limit. It doesn't matter what you do. 
uh, if God doesn't protect her, she won't be protected. We can be there with our children, driving with someone. If, if God is not going to do it, we can't do anything about it. So it has to be God. I'm going to read verse 33 out of the Phillips Modern English. This one is eight translation New Testament. And I, I like what it said there. And it might be on the screen. And even though it is, when I looked on the computer, it was really different. It started with, frankly, and my old Phillips Modern English doesn't start with amazing, but it says the same thing. It doesn't start with Franklin. Verse 33, I stand amazed at the phantomless wealth of God's wisdom and God's knowledge. How could man ever understand his reasons for action or explain his methods of working? For who have known the mind of the Lord or who have been his counselor or who have First given to him, and it shall be recompensed upon him again. For everything began with him, continues its existence because of him, and ends in him. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Now, that's what God was saying because... What was happening is that in that particular text, the, the, the background of it is that he was talking about the Jews, he was talking about the Gentiles, how God shut both groups up into, in, in disobedience so that both would be able to have to come the same way through Jesus Christ. And so it ended up in some called doxology or whatever it said. That's when he goes off into this uh, ex- expression of, oh, how amazed I am with what God does. Now, we talked on message number two about the greatness of God, the awesomeness of God. And we don't need to elaborate too much on it today. But what we do want to say, because then I told you about in Scripture how you can look at glimpses of the greatness of God. Every time you read something in Scripture, it's going to talk about the greatness of God. If you don't have that in you, and abiding in you, and it's part of your fiber inside, you're not going to overcome fear the way you should. Because how can I rest assured that Ivy, when she leaves around 3 o'clock this afternoon, coming back from South Carolina, how can I be assured that she's going to make it? Well, I can't be assured, can I? No, but I can trust God. That his will will be done in this thing. And I know that my God is a good God. I can pray. I can do that. So I can rest assured that she's going to make it back okay. And if she doesn't, still to God be the glory. Because I do know that he doesn't have harm for her. He has only good for her. Is that correct? So I know that. Now, let's go to another area of the awesomeness and the greatness of God. How about creation? Have you ever thought about it? Just awesomeness of creation. I know that 
uh, Hannah uh, Castro, hi, you're looking at me, hi. She likes to draw, sketch, and she likes to sketch faces. How great is God when you look at somebody's face? And I see George sitting there, and George's face is not like Hannah's face. It's not like my face. He's kind of from a different background, right, George? You are Chinese? Huh? Okay, yeah, okay. So I don't understand him too well. He probably doesn't understand me too well. But <laughs> he's Chinese, and we look different. We look different. His face is different. But to God be the glory, right? To God be the glory of that. And so she likes to draw different faces. God put his face together. I didn't. I didn't put my face together. How did your eyes get in the, in the right place? Why don't you have one here and one there? Have you ever thought about it? You know, when people say, well, oh, you know, it's a big bang theory. It's just evolution and all this kind of stuff. It takes so much faith to believe something stupid like that. You know, really, really, it really does. We have a God that's so awesome, and he does all that. I was looking at creation, and this is a picture of swan. And, and these are called whispering swan. And, and, and what these swans do is that they come south from Alaska, in that area there, they come south in the winter, so they, in the southern parts of the United States, they'll fly here, and they'll make their home here. And then, when, they get ready to, when, when it gets cold here, they're ready to go back there. And what happens is that they are so special before God. They fly in a V. Have y'all ever seen them? I, 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 I didn't know what they were. I thought they were geese or something. Uh, They'd they be keeping noise, you know. Have, have you ever heard them? All of them just honking. And I said, well, uh, why are they in a V? Somebody must have taught them to be in a V. Right? Trained them. What do you think? No. Mm-mm. God did it that way. And, and it said that the one that's in front is more pressure on that one in front because all the wind is facing them, and then the ones behind, they can get, because of the, 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 the draft or whatever they, they call this stuff, you know, I don't know this aerodynamic stuff, but because of the, the, the V they're flying in, they, can, they rise up to about 6,000 feet. Fly about 100 miles an hour. You can't see them from ground. Because they are so high. They fly above storms and turbulences, above mountains. They're up there going to get back home. I said, wow, the awesomeness of God. And then when, when the front one gets tired, the one back behind will take their place. And that's how they keep going and they don't stop. I said, ooh-wee, that's good. Then I wonder, I said, well, I wonder, do they clear it with the aviation department so that <laughs> they won't fly into the planes? <laughs> you know? 
Have you wondered that sort of thing? You know what I'm saying? But God did this stuff. God did this thing. I said, my goodness gracious. That's not even talk about the king, these uh, fish, salmons, king salmons. They, they, they will go downstream, and then when it's about six months before they're ready to die, they find their way back. Hundreds of miles, hundreds of miles, hundreds of miles. But they have to go now upstream to get back. How do they do that? They, they're endangering their lives. They are jumping over rocks. They are jumping up waterfalls. They can find their way right back to where they were started from. I said, how can they do that? Who taught them this navigation system? Because they're moving from the ocean back to a stream, sometimes freshwater stream. And I said, well, how do they do that? He said, they have a sense of smell. They, they can, they can, when it's a, a break in channels, they know which one to take to get back. Oh, my goodness, how awesome is our God. Amen. He's great. So you can watch this thing. Have you ever seen a bumblebee fly? Big body, little wings. But the thing flies. How about a hummingbird? Which we don't see very often unless we have one of those red little colorful things with sweet water in it. Then you can put it by your window and you can see them. Uh, but usually you don't see them. All these things God put into existence, all of nature speaks of the, the greatness of our God. And you can watch it sometime. Whenever I was sitting, was standing in our kitchen, well, I, I was standing and I called her. I said, hey, whenever, come here. All these blackbirds came to our, I think it's a, a dogwood tree we have outside. It has white flowers on it in the spring, but so it's dogwood. I know it's dogwood. Um, but it has red berries on it now. And it's it brought about 25, 30, 50 blackbirds were just on this tree, man, on this tree. And, and when I came close to the door, they took off. And then all of a sudden, they come back. And I said, Wow. This is, speaks of how awesome God is. He feeds the birds of the air. This is God. Why don't we meditate on that? That's why we have pursuing his presence. We have a group of uh, 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 adults, young, young adults. Y'all are young? Yeah, they're young adults. Uh, <laughs> that they come together once a month on Friday night, the third Friday, Friday night of the month, just to praise the awesomeness, the greatness of our God with songs, they don't want to be limited to 30 minutes, 40 minutes, just whatever the Spirit of God leads because they want to praise God. And they want you to join them because it's an opportunity once a month to do that. Great. They have music and everything. It's great. The awesomeness of our God. That's number one. If you don't have that, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Because your concentration is on the problem. That's what your concentration is on. What, how, what am I going to do to the problem? We pray, but we pray religiously as a formality. Like before we eat, if we are not in front of people who are unchurched or unsaved, you're not yet saved, we will and keep going. We don't want to say anything too long uh, because sometimes when, when I'm at a table like Thanksgiving, you know, my daughter said, hey, hey, Dad, 
don't do this long thing that you usually do, you know. They, you know, we got company, you know. Don't, don't, don't. don't, don't, don't. <laughs> because, it's, but I'm telling you, we don't want to be religious in our, our just saying the grace of our food, do we? That's the food we're about to receive because it's been nourished for our bodies. Amen. It's just, we can say it, we can wake up in the morning and say it. We can wake up at night saying it. We can wake up in the three in the morning and say it. Because it's so entrenched and just, we just say it. But do we really understand and meditate on the greatness of our God? And we are very thankful that we have a meal. If we ate once a week, I bet you we would pray differently for that meal. <laughs> we would. And so we don't want to pray religiously and ask God, God, help I ever get back safely, God, you know. Um, you know yeah. No, we want to be very meditative, you know, meditative in our, our prayer. We want to really know that God is in control because he's a great God. He's the one I call upon because there's nobody else to call upon. No one else. Okay. That's number one. Let's go to number two. Let's go right down to the next chapter, Romans 12, verse 1. Now, number one was, remember, the greatness of our God. The greatness of our God. Number two. Number two. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship or service of worship. Now this word, spiritual service of worship, your version might say acceptable. It might say um, act of worship, I don't know what you will say, but basically it's telling us that, that it, we need to really understand that because of all that God has said, it starts off with this chapter, this verse, therefore, why is it there? Because of what he just said of, oh, how amazed I am Right? At the greatness of my God. Therefore, offer your body by the living sacrifice, church, holy, acceptable means not just acceptable, but it means well pleasing. In Greek, that's what it means well pleasing. Offer your body a living sacrifice, well pleasing to God. That's your spiritual act of worship for our great God blessing us, saving our souls, right? Giving us an opportunity to be with him forever and ever and ever. How long is it forever going to go? Oh, it never's going to stop. Never going to stop. That's why we offer our bodies a living sacrifice. What does it mean by offer your body as a living sacrifice? Well, you know, they, they were talking, they're used to, uh, they knew even though they're talking about Gentiles, here talking to Gentiles, we know that in the 
Old Testament, they had a sacrificial system where they offered up animals. It was a dead sacrifice. So he's saying, offer your bodies a living sacrifice. I'm not interested in that. Uh, I have no, no uh, joy in the death of a saint, God will say. So I want you to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, your whole bodies, your entire bodies. So what goes along with this body of mine? My eyes. Offer your eyes. A living sacrifice to God. What do we watch? What do we look at? Offer your body as a living sacrifice. Right? We're not going to teach on this part because you know uh, we can set a watch upon your eyes like Job said. That I wouldn't look at a maiden to lust after her. Right? But we know that our eyes sometimes do what they shouldn't be doing if we are offering our bodies a living sacrifice. Is that correct? Also, we have a mouth. That's part of, is that part of your body? What do we say? Do, are we always speaking edifying words? Because he's offering your body a living sacrifice. That's your spiritual act of worship. Do we watch those words that we are saying? Or we are saying things sometimes that doesn't edify. It actually puts down people. Huh? Come on. We know we, 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 we say things we shouldn't say. We say them in a manner that we shouldn't say it in. I could ask, I could ask any family member, I can ask any teenager, hey, do your parents really um, speak really that, that sweet and smile like that at home? But I don't do that. Offer our bodies. How about our ears? What do we listen to? Huh? Offer our ears a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service of worship. Is it important to God? It's important to God. Why? Because of the greatness of our God. We gave our lives to him. That's what we said anyway. I don't think when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you say, God, if you will save me, I give you about a tenth of my life because nine-tenths of it, uh uh-uh, I'm not interested. But if you just save me, I give you this one portion right here. This one portion. What do you think he would say? You know, as well as I know, there's no way in the world that you're going to do that. Suppose when Sam asked you to marry him, Stella, and he said, well, Stella, will you marry me? You said, well, I'll marry you, but let me tell you, let me tell you something. You're not going to rule me. I might, I'm not going to live with you. I'm not going to do it. And you can all say, all, all, naming all these knots. You said, but I, I will marry you, and you take care of me. You send me money. <laughs> huh? Would you expect Sam to say, yes, yes. Uh, oh, I, I, it'd just be such a, a privilege for you to be on the same marriage certificate as me, Stella. <laughs> oh, wouldn't be no Brianna, would it? <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> because we want everything of our mate, don't we? We don't want no half mate, do we? No. 
We're not sharing our mate with anybody, are we? Oh, are we? <laughs> Why should God share his bride, Jesus Christ's bride, with somebody else? He wants all of us, doesn't he? Okay. Well, that's what he's asking. Okay. A living sacrifice. That's number two. What was number one? The greatness of our God. Number two. Of our bodies of living sacrifice. Number three, go to verse two of Romans 12. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now let's unpack this just a little bit. Be not conformed. We know that conform means to uh, be shaped according to outward circumstances, by outward means, by the world system, we shaped into what the world's mold is. But what does that mean when it says that be not conformed? It's not a one-time thing. Be not conformed is over and over, continuous, over and over again. Do not be conformed this minute. Do not be conformed the next minute. Do not be conformed the next hour. Don't be conformed the next day. Don't be conformed and conform. Don't be conformed because the world is trying to conform you every single day. It is. I mean, you, you watch TV and you watch how many times do they portray the minister of God as somebody who got some sense. Come on. Most of the time, it is, it's like comical, pathetic. Why? Because that's what they want the world to see. How many times do you see on TV in the, in the natural program? I'm not talking about when you get a, a video like um, Courageous or, you know, uh, videos like this, it's Christian videos. How many times do you see in regular TV them portray marriage as something that should be uh, holy, something that should be protected, something should, that should be honored by all, and they've been married 20, 30, 40, 50 years, faithfully. My goodness gracious. You don't hardly ever see that. You see everybody doing their own thing, don't you? Why? Because they're trying to conform you to the world system. It's okay. He's not paying any attention to you. He's paying all his attention, attention to the world. Then you do your thing. Come on. And you're just a man who out there with some of everybody at work or whatever. Come on, they, they portray that stuff, doesn't it? Don't they? They really portray that stuff. How many movies do you see that you never hear a word of profanity? PG-13. Parental guidance is supposed to be, parental guidance is supposed to be, well, I'm thinking that's for 13 years old and above. And if sometimes the first word you, you hear is a profane word. You don't have pictures that don't have a profane language in it. Even, even, even you ask somebody, because I took uh, our uh, leaders in our Leadership Council, 
to a play once in Roanoke, and it was about creation, Adam and Eve. I said, this would be a good one for the leaders. I'll take them to that. And we sat there, man, we were good. It's in Roanoke. It's a, it's a theater in Roanoke. And the very first word out of Adam's mouth, Jason, was what? A curse word. Don't you say it, boy. <laughs> it was a curse word. Yeah, it was a curse word. What happened was that is the scene started off with, with uh, uh, Adam by himself and all like that. Then after a while, there was an Eve, and they had a little petition. And here's a piece of fruit come over the petition and hit Adam. And the first word comes out of Adam's mouth. Come on. <laughs> I said, what is this? I said, please forgive me. And I had already called and asked them, is this a clean movie? It, it, oh, yes, oh, yes, this is a clean movie. No profanity, this is clean. Some, see, people are so programmed that they don't even, it wasn't but one, but that one was too many. You see? But the person who I asked at a particular, but they had seen the play, but they didn't, it, it passed right over them because they're so used to hearing words. Be not conformed to the world. It's a continuous thing. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the only way you're going to be transformed. And we're talking about inwardly transformed. We're not talking about outwardly. That's conformed. But transform is an inward thing that God is trying to do to us. And this transformation can only be through the renewing according to the word of God. You have to know what the word of God is saying. That's how you conform your mind to it. And any problem that we have, uh, you, you go to what the Word says and what, what um, I did a long time ago. Uh, this was 88, back in 88. Uh, I put this in here. 89. And it's just, it's just that what things are possible with God? So I have in my book, with God... All things are impossible. All things are possible. And, and like look one. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Genesis 18, 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Jeremiah. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? <laughs> things which are, are impossible with God or with men are possible with God. Romans, I am fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. And he was talking about Abraham. He says in Haggai 2.8, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Every beast of the forest is mine, in Psalm 50, uh, 10. And the cattle on a thousand hills. I mean, if you want another subject, how faithful is God? That's what you taught on Elder John, when, when, when I was away, you could talk on that. I listened to your message. Good. Man, you know, you brought me to tears, man. When I said, man, why you want to bring me to tears here? And, and your, your, your story about the, the missionaries, you know. And I heard you breaking down on, 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 the, on the tape. I said, man, look at John, boy. Go, boy. Go, John. It's a good message. The faithfulness of God. I have that in here. I have... In here, because see, turning to every place in the Bible, sometimes you can't do that. 
uh, because it takes too long. But if you have it written down, I have a little book. Um, it's just with the promises of God that have, have things about, by Charles Capps, have things about, about just every area of healing in it. And I go over that with me. I have an area in this one, uh, a lot of uh, on giving. I have that in there. I have it on uh, the tongue in here. I have it on the eyes in here. And I did this like the mouth. I have it in there. <laughs> That's an old man. Oof. Thou art snared by the words of your mouth. Because I wanted to have scriptures that I can go to and just confess. God, I agree with you that I'm snared by the words of my mouth. I'm taken with words of my mouth. I don't want to be taken with the words of my mouth. In a multitude of words that one of not sin, Proverbs 10. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. I'm working on that. <laughs> Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit of it. I mean, this is just my speech right here. My speech. I, I have all these things in here. What do you have that you try to renew your mind? That's what we're talking about. What do you try to renew your mind with? You can't renew it with, with books. You can't renew it with TV. You can't renew it with just what somebody says. What are you going to renew it with? The Word of God. And I wanted it written down so I can just go right to it, just like that, just like that. And I was asking, I think, Melissa, Melissa, how you put a book together? Because I have some thoughts here. People need things like that because they're not going to take time to do this. They're not going to take time to do it. That's why Charles Capps said you have, oh, oh, a million of these little books out. Just a little pamphlet, just a little book. Because people need, need that done for them. That's number three. And, and, it, and it says here, you have to be not, con, be not conformed, but transform is a, it's in the present imperative also, which means that it's continuous also. You, you, you got to keep the words of God in your eyes, in your ear gate. You got to keep it there because it is God's words. That's how you do this thing. I, I could have gone over all ten. That's what I was, I was going to do and be finished with it. But if I don't elaborate on it, you're not going to be able to do it. And so if you're not going to do it, your word is going to get you in trouble. Your attitude is going to get you in trouble. I have something there on my thought life. Because what you think you end up saying, especially if you're a bold and, and kind of self-assertive and aggressive, you know, Stella would never say anything to me. Brianna would never say anything to me that's aggressive and assertive because they, they, they're all laid back. But we have people with, with personalities. They, they'll tell you. They'll tell you what's on their mind. That's great as long as it, it's, it's tempered with the Word of God. If it's not tempered with the Word of God because God gave you your personality, but he wants you to conform that personality to the Word of God. Very important. That's number three. Well, let's, let's, let's go a little further down here. There's, a, there's this verse right here. So that you may prove what is the will of God, what the will of God is. Now, all it does after that, it tells you what the will of God is. That which is good, that which is acceptable, that which is a per perfect. Now, that acceptable does not mean, because people use that, there's a good will of God, there's a, an acceptable will of God, and there is a perfect will of God. That's not Greek. That's not true. There's no such, such thing as God has a perfect will, 
then he has a good will, then he has something that he will accept. No. It's all explaining God's will, and acceptable means the same thing down here that it meant up there, and that is what? Well-pleasing. Well-pleasing. That's what it means. That which is good, that which is well-pleasing, and that which is perfect, and perfect in Greek means complete. It's a, it's a Greek word that means teleos, which means that you have accomplished that which you were intended to, to, to do. That's what it means. It doesn't mean perfect like English perfect. You're perfect. You don't make any mistake. No, it means complete. It means teleos. That means that if you have a glass, that glass is meant to do something. That cup is meant to do something different. A thermos is meant to do something different. So when they made the thermos, they made it so it could do something. When you put coffee in it and put your, your top on it, then it's going to keep it warm. It's fulfilling the purpose of which it was designed. And he says that, that you'll know. You, trans, you, you don't be conformed, you'll be transformed. So you'll know, you'll prove, you'll test out, you will be understanding of what that good, what that well-pleasing and what that complete telios will of God is because you're renewing your mind according to what he has said. That's what, it, that's what it means. Oh, I'm enjoying this. I'm only at three. And I said, let's go to four. Second Corinthians, let's go over there. Now, your number one was the greatness of our God. Two was that you don't want to be, you want to offer your body as a living sacrifice and then Number three, don't want to be trans- conformed but transformed. So it's all in one section in Romans 11, 33 through 36, and then it goes right on down to Romans 12, 1 and 2. Those are the first three. Now, 4, 5, and 6 is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's, let's go there. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5, it has four of them. So it'll be four, five, six, seven in here. Now, this is so good. Ooh, it's so good. I like this worship team. They are, they are, they are, they are, they are really, y'all are really doing good. Last week, your mama said, oh, my goodness gracious. It wasn't last week, week before last. When y'all were singing the awesomeness of God, I said, boy, y'all done stole the message, you done stole the same thing this week. Same thing. One of the songs y'all singing had exactly what I'm getting ready to talk about. Okay? I, I know you looked at my notes online. I know you did. She puts it online Saturday, and then y'all go on and find what I'm going to teach on. Then you pick out your songs. Don't you do that? <laughs> I know they don't do that because they practice on Tuesday, and I was listening to the song. So, okay, here we go. Verse 3, though we walk in the flesh, that means we, we're walking like we are walking now, we're, we're in this body, we do not war according to the flesh. means we don't fight according to the flesh. See, without God, everybody's in the natural realm, we fight according to the flesh. That's why we fight. That's why God said if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. See, the weapons of our warfare... Verse 4, are not carnal or in the flesh, but divinely powerful, the King James said, mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Y'all remember that on the song they were singing? 
right? Pulling down strongholds. The weapons of our warfare is number four. They're spiritual weapons. Your warfare is with spiritual weapons. That's what your warfare has to be. You cannot fight spiritual beings with natural warfare. They don't respond to sticks and stones and guns and knives and swords. They don't respond to that because you can't see them. Right? Shoot all you want to. You never hit them because they're a spirit. You're going to have to fight a spiritual warfare. Now, this spiritual warfare that he has, your weapons are mighty. They are powerful. I mean, they are like the word dunamis. This word is, is a word in that same family. It's so powerful, it will destroy. It will pull down strongholds. Strongholds are fortresses. You know, those, these, these things you saw the, in, the, in the nights of the round table, they have forts. Forts have walls around and everything like Jerusalem might be your high walls. And, 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 and you might have a fortress where everybody else has got to come up to Jerusalem. So if you try to come up to Jerusalem, they can see you. And they'll throw a rock down at you. And you, you hit the rock hit you, they'll shoot you. You cannot come up. You don't want to fight somebody on top of a hill. And you coming up the hill. You're going to lose. You're going to lose. And see, what the, what the enemy does, he builds these fortresses, these strongholds, these towers, so that it can keep you in. See, fortresses are supposed to keep the enemy out. And, and God is our stronghold if it's used properly. God is our stronghold. He'll keep the enemy out. But it's not talking about God's our stronghold. It's talking about the enemy has built a stronghold in your mind. And that stronghold keeps you from uh, succeeding in God's purposes for your life. That's what it does. That's why we got to have spiritual weapons to pull their strongholds down and destroy speculations. So, pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations that King James will say, imaginations are speculations. Speculations are considerations. They are attention, intentions, something that's hostile to the gospel. That's what it is. We have these things in our mind. Have you ever talked to a non-Christian before and, and tried to convince them of wh- why they need God? Have you talked to somebody who believes in evolution and tell them to believe in creation? They got these speculations. They got these things, they got reasonings that I don't care what you say, they have an excuse in other words. Because it's a stronghold. The enemy has built this stronghold in them for whatever reason it is. People don't trust God like they should. Sometimes bad things has happened to them, like, like you said in your message about the bad thing that happened to the couple that was over there. The wife died. They had a child. And he, he became an alcoholic or whatever, and he didn't serve God anymore until that daughter that was, that, that was born grew up and came to him. Didn't serve God all these years. Didn't want God's name to be mentioned because of a stronghold. Okay? And he had reasonings. But they were against the gospel. That's what they were. We have reasonings that's against the gospel. You can talk to any Christian about almost any subject, and they'll, they'll tell you sometimes if, they, if they're not on tune with the word of God, in tune with the word of God, 
they'll give you a reason why they don't do what the word says. It's a reasoning. That's a stronghold. And the reason they give is a speculation. So it says pulling down stronghold, casting down those speculations. That's what the weapons of our warfare do. That's what they were singing, Jack. That's what y'all were singing about today. And every lofty thing, that was in there too. Every lofty thing. A lofty thing is a high thing that the enemy is so proudly erecting in our lives. There's a high thing and they, they, they are so proud of that thing. You can't break out of this thing that you're in. You have these tendencies. Come on. We have tendencies sometimes that are that's against the word of God. We want to get out of this thing. We don't want to do what we are doing, but we can't help it because it's a stronghold. Right? And you ask somebody, why did you do that? Why do you keep doing the same thing? I don't know. Do you want to change? Yes. But every time you say, okay, I want you to change, I want you to do this. They can't do it. Why can't they do it? It's not because they don't want to do it. It's because the strongholds haven't been broken. The reason they haven't been cast down. And it says, and we are taking every thought. Not just the good thoughts. Not just the bad thoughts. How many thoughts? Every thought to the obedience of Christ. It means the word of God. Every thought that comes through our mind, because some thoughts are basically from the world system. Some thoughts are from just our own strongholds and reasonings that we have. Some thoughts are straight from demons, the devil. Some thoughts are from God. Some from Jesus. Some from the Holy Spirit. How do we distinguish between the thoughts? The word of God. So what are these spiritual weapons? It does me no good to say, boy, we got to use our weapons. Well, what are their weapons? What are the weapons? The word of God. The word of God. You have to know the word of God. You can't, you won't have time to pull this thing out, you know, uh, let me Google this thing here and get the word. I got this app on my, on, on my thing. Oh, my battery is kind of low. Uh, and, and, and try to get the Bible and say, it's somewhere. Oh, somewhere. Where is that scripture? I know it's somewhere because I heard it. I know it's somewhere. You better have this word in you. That's where you better have it. You're gonna have, it's going to take time getting that word in you. How do you think I know... I don't have my notes with my, as a matter of fact, they're in my office. Uh, how, do you, how do you think we, we, we're going to deal with it? How do you think I deal with it? I have to memorize them. And I don't go through all of them. I'll skip around sometimes. I do this, uh, I do whatever the Spirit leads. But it takes time to do that. It took me from, uh, I don't know, about 3 o'clock, Saturday because I had things to do before the time, all the way up to, I was up to 11.30 last night, I've tried to get the word in me. I got to memorize this thing. It would not be cool for me to say, well, I got 10 things. Number one is, it's, uh, oh, is I, it's something I forgot. Oh, my goodness. Man, I, my. It takes time to memorize scripture. 
I used to have cars, you know, in, in my, in, in, in with me. Stop at the traffic light instead of, instead of saying, oh, man, the traffic light called me. Why is this person so, so man, why don't this thing change? Take your cars out. Review the scripture. You said, man, you're a fanatic. They called Jesus that, didn't they? He's a fanatic. You know, he's a fanatic. I knew, I knew a man who did that. I mean, he had these cars with him all the time. He went to, to early in the morning, he would go to these uh, Hardys or McDonald's. He will sit there and drink coffee and go over his, his cars. But he knew more scripture. That's the, you get it in you. Now, the next thing is, is not, not those who hear the word, memorize the word, but those who do the word that are justified, the scripture said. So, uh, you can memorize all you want to, but you better do it, right? But you can't do what you don't know. <laughs> That's what it says here. You have to use the weapons of the word of God. Use it. Who did, what did Jesus do? Say, so what do you, you know, you hungry? Turn these stones into bread if you're the son of God. He said, well, I don't want to. I just don't want to. <laughs> right? Did he say that? No. He said, he said, he said now, say, now I'm not thinking about you. You can't do nothing to me. You don't know who I am, do you? you do, do you know who I am? No, he didn't say that, did he? It is written. It is written. Every time Satan told him something, it is written. Then he said, well, hey, that's a scripture man. Huh. I'll tell him scripture. Why well, won't you then throw yourself off this, you know, temple here because... God did say he'll bear you up on his wings just like angels. Did he say that he'll bear you up on his wings? Yeah, but it is also written, I shall not tempt the Lord thy God. Didn't he say that? Come on. It is written. It is written. You have to know the word of God. You got to know, I don't care what translation you use, but you have to know the word of God. That's part of our spiritual weapon. You have to be able to pray. It does no good to think you're going to Fill out the word of God, but you have no authority because you are not in relationship with the God of those words. Right? There's a, a person who, um, I don't know what, who it was, really, but all I know that the credit card company for the church uh, emailed me and said, well, yeah, I think your card's been compromised. And there's somebody in California that has used the card to charge a hundred and some dollars at CVS. Are you, you in, in, in California? No, I'm not in California. Who is it that's doing that? How did they get my number? Uh, sir, we don't know, but we'll, we're asking you so that we'll cancel that. And we, 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 we put a stop on your car because they went to another place, a little stop in place, and they were going to charge you another hundred and some dollars. So we had to check that thing out. I said, oh, thank you. Thank you. My goodness gracious. Because by the time Stella get the bill, it's a month later, man, it might be $5,000, $10,000, $20,000 charged on that car. Right? Maybe. You cannot use that card unless you've been given authority to use that card. Or you're in trouble. You see? You can use the word if you want to. The demons say, oh, Jesus I know. Paul I know. Who are you? Right? I want them to say, hey, 
Don't mess with anybody at Cornerstone because, oh, I know them. Don't you want them to say that? I know them. I, phew, I know them. Maddie, I know Maddie. Don't mess with Maddie. I know her. I know her. Yeah. That's what you want them to say, don't you? Yeah, that's what you want them to say. That's number three. That's, well, that's not number three. Number three was, the, was about the, um, the, the, the be not to conform but transform. Number four, we use spiritual weapons. Number five, uh, casting down, uh, tearing down strongholds. Number six, destroying speculations and every high thing that's all stuff against God. Now, here's another one. And taking their thought can be, it beats to Christ. That was number six. Number seven, I just threw in there with this because not only do you want to take every thought captive, but you want to take your emotions captive. Some of us get so emotional about things, it's not, uh, and it takes us beyond the word of God because we're emotional about this thing. Bring your emotions under control because if you get too out of control emotionally, you'll say something that you shouldn't be saying. You know what it is when you get mad, right? When you get mad, you just say something, don't you? That you shouldn't say a lot of times, right? Get your emotions under control with the word of God. That's number seven. So we had one, two, three in Romans, four, five, six, seven in Corinthians, Second Corinthians 10. Then I'm not going to go over to Delson's. Eight, nine, ten is in Corinthians. I mean, not Corinthians, but uh, Ephesians. It's in Ephesians, chapter 6. That's where it is. Okay? That's where we'll pick it up at week after next. Okay? Uh, and I hope you forgive me for just following what I think God was saying to me about take your time and teach the people. Don't be such in a hurry because you got... The other car is already ready. See, our next series is on turbulent waters. How to navigate during tough times. We already have cars. We're going to pass them out today. But we're not passing those cars out today because I'm not through. Okay? But next week, I'd already prepared to be finished. So Elder John's going to teach next week. And he's going to bring a dynamic message. He might make us cry, but that's all right. We're ready for this message next week. Then I'll come back on on um, Friends and Neighbors Day, and I'm going to bring a message. I'll tell you, uh, it's going it's to be on, on 8, 9, 10 of the, the things. Oh, it's going to be uplifting. It's going to be dynamite. I already know it because I, I already have to walk it out myself. And I know, I know I'm not doing all that, what it says, so I'm ready to be challenged some more. Are you? Okay. Let's stand. God is so good. Isn't it? He's so good. Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor.